0: Welcome in to Educational Leadership On The Go. I'm your host, Dr. Dustin Bain, and uh, we have a little different format today. Um, And uh, When we got into Educational Leadership On The Go, we really were talking about uh, having those guests, and uh, and today we have one of those. We've had Dr. Patel in the past to talk about uh, grading practices. Today we have uh, Dr. Nathan Birch. Uh, Welcome, Nathan, into the program. Thanks, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, so Nate and I go way back, I think I uh, can track it back to middle school, mm-hmm. at Sacramento yep. Middle School. He is a Fox uh, School District product, uh, and uh, Dr. Birch here, and I have crossed paths, it seems like, uh, since then, uh, so many different ways, um, going through high school together, roommates at SEMO, freshman um, year, freshman yep. year um, and both focusing on education, and it's crazy. How many times whether uh, I was working in Rockwood and I was trying to come back to Fox or, you know, we were both going on the admin route. We went through the same Maryville program. So uh, I have a ton of respect for Dr. Birch. He's a wealth of knowledge. Uh, and, and one of the reasons we got going uh, with educational leadership on the go was, was for these opportunities to sit down with other educators and to really expand uh, our knowledge and, and the things that we're trying to do. With educational leadership on the go, so uh, Dr. Birch, um, before I kind of give too much background, uh, I know that you um, got into education pretty quickly out of um, out of high school. So, mm-hmm. talk about um, what the why uh, for you uh, in education. Sure. So, I mean, growing up, uh, both of my parents were
1: involved in education. Uh, so, being able to be around that on a daily basis was something that I really wanted to go into. Uh, after college, when I went into had to figure out what I wanted to do for my career. Um, so right after, I mean, I went to college. I, I originally was going to be a, a high school history teacher was my major, and I took my first history class and I got a C. And so I decided <laughs> maybe I need to go a different route. And I was able to uh, one summer worked at a daycare and worked with young kids and realized that they laughed at all my jokes and thought I was cool. So I thought that would probably be a good path for me, um, and I really enjoyed being around the kids. And so I went into elementary education and. I uh, spent nine years teaching at Londo Elementary, and then two years as an assistant principal at Clyde Hamrick in the Fox School District, uh, and then the last few years I've been at Beerbaum Elementary in the Melville School District.
0: Awesome, awesome. So yeah, it's everybody's why is different, and I know that we were just in uh, some conferences mm-hmm. and they talked about that. and And when you think about why you do what you do, um, some people have that you know great story, but it is. Um, for me, I, I think even it's not necessarily um, the teachers, but um, thinking about what we can do in this role to impact people. Yeah. But also that I always talk about that natural feeling like and we were just i was having this conversation with somebody else of like you're sitting in a meeting, even if even when I was in the teacher role, you're sitting in the meeting and you're thinking, how do I solve this problem? You know, and so uh, it's such a, a fun um, way to interact—not only with kids, but adults, parents. You have a, a lot of impact. Well, and to me, it's what we do has a purpose, right? Like we don't go to we don't go to work every day to
1: make a lot of money for someone who already has a lot of money. We go to work every day to make a difference for kids, right? And, and so every day, that hard work that we put in has a purpose behind it, and we can see that pay off with you know, the successes that our kids have or that our teachers have with their kids on a daily basis.
0: You know, something you just said that like clicked in my mind is you, you made a comment. I don't know if it was just natural, but like making money for somebody that already has a ton of money. How, how interesting is that? Like to, to think about our purpose and why we do it. There is, you know, I, I guess because I haven't really worked in the business world, so many people get up and go, and I don't even know if that crosses their mind, but I, that, that really caught me when you said, You know, I show up and I'm I'm making more money for the person at the top. um, And that has nothing to do with what we do. I mean, our end
1: user is is the one that that we're servicing, right? We are to be, you know, we're serving other people and and trying to help them um, as opposed to trying to help the person at the top of that chain.
0: Which, not to get off on a tangent, I think about when bond issues and tax increases come up. And and, and obviously there's always going to be a negative side to anything. And I think to myself, like, The investment that you're making, whether it be your taxes or whatever, is raised by $100 a year. And I understand uh, in so many cases that that's a significant amount of money, right? But what other thing are you going to invest $100 in and get more return? And I even think for the people that have had kids, I mean, it's just it's interesting when you look at it from that business angle, uh, what comes about. So before we get off on uh, on too long of a tangent there, I want to talk to Dr. Birch today because – um, for our listeners and for our learners out there, I think that uh, he's getting ready to go through a transition. So, as he said, he's been at Beer Bomb, and how many years have you been there? This is my second year. Second of Beer year Bomb. Of Beer Bomb, but he's getting, and that's in the Melville School District here in St. Louis, uh, in St. Louis County, and is getting ready and has accepted a role at Claymont Elementary School in the Parkway School District. Uh, and Parkway is um, obviously a central St. Louis school district, a very large school district here. Um, This is going to be a great opportunity for Dr. Birch to grow as a professional uh, and, and continue down his road. But what I thought would be interesting to the listeners and the leaders out there, and again, we always talk about maybe you're a teacher going to a different school. Maybe you are a teacher going into your first school. Maybe you're a principal getting that first job or assistant principal. Oh, I can name them off. But also, uh, we've had a lot of feedback from people that aren't even in the teaching profession. So you're a leader getting ready to take a new job in the business world. Culture is what drives everything, right? Culture drives everything. And so I thought it'd be a great time to bring somebody in that's going through that transition. But I want Dr. Burch, and, and when we talked and, and, and shared some notes about Hey, I did this on my first time through because I remember you and I having conversations about what I did, what you did, and, and that type of thing. And then how do we either we're going to do that again or I'm absolutely not going to do that again. So as you get ready to change roles, some of us forget that feeling of, oh, now I'm starting over. So right. when, when I say starting over, when that what are some of the first things that you think of when it's like, okay, I got a new position. Here's what I need to do. So, I mean, one area that I think that we're in a
1: really good spot at my current school is is we've taken a lot of time over the last two years to really start to build some relationships and common understandings of, you know, this is who we are at Beerbaum. This is what we believe in. This is why we do our work. Um, these are our non-negotiables. This is how we're going to treat kids. This is the hard work we're going to do. So to me, it's just building that foundation. Again, I think anytime you begin a new relationship, whether that's, you know, a personal relationship or uh, a professional one, there's a little bit of a feeling out period where both people are trying to figure out, okay, what are both of these people really about? Can I trust these people? You know, how do, how are they going to react? If I make a mistake, how are they going to react? If I do that, and, and so being able to build that foundation and that trust, I think, it, it is where it has to start, um, because that trust has to be that foundation to build, because inevitably, either I'm going to screw up or they're going to screw up, and we need to be able to trust each other to say, it's okay that we made a mistake, right? And it's, now let's just figure out why that mistake happened. How do we move forward? How do we get better because of that? And if that trust in that isn't there, um, it's, it's, it's much more difficult to have that next step, that positive, you know, building upon that
0: failure. Yeah, so I hear... Obviously, I, you know the relationship piece is the, the most important mm-hmm. part, and what I hear you saying is really you're building uh, how are we, money in the bank. Yeah. I need to put coins in the bank so when things don't necessarily go uh, as planned, a savings account. I gotta have that there, that equity there, right? And so uh, let's go. Di- let's dig deeper into that because I think for our leaders. We sometimes, in that first position, want to get in and start managing the heck out of everything. And obviously that, in, in our opinion, is not the right area. Maybe in the business world, that could be a component of it. But when you start managing, you're going to be asking people to do things. Mm-hmm. Without that relationship, who knows what that, what's going to happen. So digging deeper into that, what are some of the things you did at Beer Bomb before you even um, probably even started your contract on July 1st, what are some of those things that you did to start putting money in the bank with staff members?
1: So I think one of the first things that I, I do, and, and I, it's actually I'm sending an email out today, is, is letting the staff and the community know kind of what I stand for, what I believe, what, what my vision for, what we're going to do for those kids that are coming to our school every day, and just kind of putting my belief statements out there. And then it starts to getting to know the staff, getting to know the parents. Um, one thing that I stole from you, that you a great piece of advice you gave me, is I sit down with every staff member uh, before the first day of school. So I, and we talk about, you know. What are your dreams? What are you, know, what do you feel like your strengths are? What are the things you like to work on? And then also like the building, right? So what are the things that this building's awesome at? What are, what are you proud of about, you know, the, this new building? What is it that if you if there's one thing that you would want me to look into possibly uh, that might need tweaking, might need some change, what might that be? So getting their feedback and their perspective of, of where that is. Um, I think is is that step, but then I also think you have to validate that they're doing good things, right, and that they're there for good reasons. Um, nobody wants to feel like someone's trying to fix them, mm-hmm. and so you you have to be really conscious as a prince, as a new prince, when you come in. This my job is not to fix you guys; it's to see how I can support you, to see what I can do to take what you're already doing and help you guys continue to grow. Whether that's professional development, whether that's providing other opportunities for growth, or whether that's just being there and saying, you know what. You're doing a great job in just providing that feedback.
0: Yeah. So, um, yeah, we, you and I had conversations about that, and I will tell you um, for, <clears throat> excuse me, for those um, new leaders out there, and I always say it that broad. It's so important to have one-on-one conversations, and the reason I, and I, the reason I suggest that is because obviously, you know, in my initial thought is okay, that takes a lot of time. Yeah, you're right, it does. It takes a lot of time. Um, and I can still remember I was using a calendar and it was handwritten and I had like four or five slots every day in July. And, uh, because of different things, I was the only person in the building. So it was kind of nice that people were coming through there. But in my mind, I was kind of thinking, all right, let's go out as PLCs. I'll take them out to lunch, but you're not going to get the real person. That's a step later on down the road. I see. But, um, for me, you're that, the, that point of, sitting down and getting feedback, I can still remember the questions that I asked each of them. And what was wild to me and why I'm glad I did it is it was almost the distinct same answer from every staff member. So I remember at that time, it was uh, Lucy Culkin's writing and they had had a bad experience of that implementation. Every time I asked what what instructional or curriculum-wise, and that came up. So awesome. So by the end of July, I knew Man, that's a win for me. I know I can walk in the PLCs and walk into a teacher, and now I know what they need. You you said support and help. I'm not trying to fix you. Now I know, hey, I can, I can reach out to the literacy coordinator. Man, you can just see how that starts putting you in a position to succeed uh, right away. And then also what I noticed is the first day back for staff, I already was having to go to people and be like, hey, can we do this? Can we... And it's not like, hey, my name's Dustin Bain. Hey, by the way, I need you to do this. You know, I felt like that conversation that we had had built up some of that equity, you know. Right. Um, um, so that that was huge. Well, I think the other chance you, you get to kind of learn about them as a person, right? Do they
1: have kids? Are they married? Do they have, what do they like to, what are their hobbies? Um, and those are things that just come up in that natural conversation. That I think, you know, to your point, if you do that in a group, you don't necessarily have the time or they may not share that stuff and you can't be as intentional. And then you can also start to show, share some of your own life with them, right? Like these, you know, common, you know, common experiences you've had, or, you know, if if you both have kids and talking about those things and you start to make those connections um, that really, you know, start to form those relationships and that trust.
0: Yeah, you're so right. And I remember I had a little book with me and I would make notes on each staff member. I mean, and some, and I can remember some significant things like one of my uh, staff members, parents was going, was battling cancer. And I remember, I wasn't I needed to go back to that. And so that's something I would suggest if you're going to take notes, just make sure you're going back to that because you're going to write down some pretty important things. I think that's a great point by Dr. Birch, because I I can remember making those notes. And that is, as you're walking through the hall, some great conversation topics instead of just walking in and being like, what's what's going on, you know, so it makes it a little bit more natural and checking in on people and giving them that love, service and care. Uh, that we need to continue to do. So kind of advancing along, and I think what's interesting is we could talk about that because of the importance of that piece, right? Um, So as you make that transition, you talked about you're sending that information out, you're sending, um, letting them know your goals and values. What is maybe something that you did and, and, and maybe I'm catching you off guard here, but you know, off the top of here, what are something that you're like? I'm not going to necessarily do that in this situation, this time. If you if you can think of that,
1: yeah. So when I went to to my current school, I was a new principal in a new district, um, and so I, I really felt a need to try to prove myself. Right? right, I wanted to prove that to my both to me and to them. Like I wanted them to think that I was. Uh, worthy of the job. And then I also was trying to prove to myself that, you know, I could be a principal, I could be a head principal. Um, So I put, I probably pushed a little too hard on myself and trying to put, you know, do things to try to prove that I could be that leader, which I think some of that stuff might've came off as unauthentic with, you know, I see how that could happen. And so just being much more secure in in who I am and the type of leader that I want to be and the type of building that, you know, we're going to create, you know, and that, that's going to help me just go in and I think, even more to the point building those relationships because I won't feel that pressure of having to try to live up to what I think a principal should be. Cause I'm just much more secure of who I am as a principal and a leader.
0: Oh, wow. Great. That's a, that's a great point. Um, and I think about athletes, right? I think the athlete, like, you know, Bryce Harper signs a $330 million contract and, and inevitably they struggle. And what do they always say after that first season? Well, you know, this season I just felt like I had to go out and prove myself and prove myself and prove myself. And I think that that's so true. Um, but it's hard, right? As a, as a new principal, even if you're moving from the assistant role to the head principal role or on in a business where you were the assistant and now you are the regional director, <clears throat> that island becomes bigger and more lonely so naturally, I, I go into mode of I have to prove my worthiness. We also know there's a lot of competition for the jobs, right? So there's a piece of that of maybe the person that you were up against was internal, so you feel like there's I you know there's there's a million things. But as we've talked about, even going through the the interview process, if you worry about all the outside things, you're taking away attention from what you need to really be doing. And so it kind of brings it back to your point of, um, I'm all, I'm constantly trying to prove myself, uh, and not being real. Um, and I think being real and being confident now for you and I to sit here where we're multiple years in to being a principal is easier said than done. You know, it's, it's a lot easier said than done. Yeah. You definitely have to go through that process. Cause I think, you know, you had,
1: even when you go from an assistant principal to a principal, You're still having to kind of redefine yourself as now that you are, you know, the there's no one else you can't push it any farther up into the building right? Like right you have to make those choices you have to be able to provide that leadership and and do those things for the teacher so that is a natural and and, and i i'm sure that in this transition that my growth is going to be tremendous from just changing districts changing um you know a different building and, and so i i think if you're if you ever find yourself you're not growing and you're not changing um then you really need to take a you know, deep look in the mirror, because then that's going to be an issue. You should always be evaluating what can I be doing better. And so I think going through that process is natural. Um, it just helps you more define who you are.
0: Right. Well, and I think that's, that's a great point is uh, all those times you can get stagnant. You can think about, and that can happen as soon as a year or two. And, and trying to figure out your own journey, you have to balance that with supporting the journey of those around you. Um, and, I, and I think that's an important piece. So let's switch gears just a little bit. We've talked about a lot about the staff. We've talked a lot about um, those creating those relationships. Um, but a huge piece to the puzzle is also the relationship with obviously the most important person of the school, the students and then also uh, creating that relationship with the parents. Um, and so as you think about your time at Beerbaum and those relationships you've created with the students and initiated, what are some of those things that as you're looking forward to Claymont, what are some of those things that maybe our, our listeners that are learning can do or some things that you have done or plan to do?
1: So when we think about kids, I mean, to me, the most important thing a principal can do is just be present, right? So be there. Um, you know, you can't lead a building from inside your office. And so getting out into the classrooms, getting out into the hallways, um, when you see a kid in the hallway, you know, talk to them, call them by their name, talk to them, ask them how their day is going. Um, If you see a kid upset, you know, take the time to sit down, get on their level, and be able to have a conversation with them and help them work through those problems. Um, If they're happy about something, share that, you know, celebration with them. Be in the classrooms, you know, sit down with them and read a book with them. You know, if you see them doing the reading workshop and they're sitting down reading independently, Sit down and read with them, right? Those are the types of connections, those one-on-one connections, uh, where they, the kids feel valued. They feel like they're not just another kid in your building. Um, you know, Another thing that we like to do a lot is we do positive shout-outs. Mm-hmm. So being able to pull a kid into your office, let them know that they're doing an awesome job, and then calling home and telling you know, their parents, Hey, this kid's doing a great job because of this, or this teacher saw him doing this or her doing this and is proud of them. You know, that builds up that trust with the kids too. And they realize, Hey, my, my, my principal likes me, right. Or my principal, you know, takes time. And then I also think, you know, you, in elementary school, we have to be willing to be goofy, right? We have to be willing to like tell silly jokes. We have to be willing to like dress weird and, and, and do goofy things with kids. And if they see you being goofy and that you're a fun person, uh, some of that fear of oh he's the principal uh, goes away, and so then they they feel like they they can relate to you and they and they want to be around you.
0: You know what's interesting that you say it that way the uh, the relationship piece with kids because all kids want is real. Kids don't care if you have a doctoral degree; they don't care of anything. You could be they don't care about anything uh, on your resume. They 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 don't. And and when you think of it that way, it's so much simpler. Um, because they don 't automatically earn, you know have your respect necessarily, you have to earn the kid 's respect as much as anybody um, because as adults, the staff members understand um, what you 've gone through to get to this point so there 's a natural respect for people that have done that as parents, they have respect because the principal name itself principal carries. Weights with it. But for kids, it's so genuine. And then something you said that obviously sounded so natural to you was being present, being visible. Uh, being out there, um, and you, like you said, when it's um, time for Halloween, throwing on the costume—I um, can. That's that's one thing I think of because I'm not a big Halloween person. I don't. But you know what? I was in a Batman outfit the first year um, because at the time, Batman it came out with my last name Bane. They were—I mean—that was all they talked about. Um, so you play into that role, um, and I think to me, we let's bring it back to when we sat down with staff members and we put money in the bank. Guess who else we're going to have to sit down and have tough conversations with? Kids. And here's what I find interesting about the work that Dr. Schwabi and I have done at Merrimack since we've come in is most kids, um, and hopefully they don't listen to this, <laughs> is they don't lie to us, you know. And I think that that amazes me sometimes. That very rarely do they come into our office about an issue and lie to us. One. It's 2019, so most of them are smart enough to know there's a camera just about everywhere they turn. But we don't even have to use that as a threat. And I really, truly, in my heart, believe we have good kids, obviously, but also they trust us enough to understand that, yes, they've made a mistake, but ultimately we're going to help them. Well, I think that's an
1: important distinction. I think where that trust comes from is when they do screw up, you know, are you still there for them? Do you still care for them right? And so one thing that we tell our kids a lot, you know we tell them we love them and we tell them we love them no matter what you do right there 's nothing you can do to stop that and then what we react on that too it 's not just words right so when kids screw up we don 't just you know dismiss them as okay you didn 't meet our expectations, so now we 're mad at you, but it 's okay, you know you you made a mistake, so now how can I help you? How can I help you not make that mistake more and some kids, it gets through the first time. Some kids, you have to do that over and over with. But if you're consistent with them, eventually that sinks in with them.
0: Yeah, most of the time uh, when they do make a mistake, it's just the initial fear of I did something wrong. And then, they, you know, we get over that. And I, and, and, and having that conversation but being present and visiting the rooms... Again, you're just putting money in the bank as you, as you go forward. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's an, an important piece. And you said something really important too early is about the name thing, knowing kids by name. Um, you know, I, am, uh, I can remember a face from pretty much anywhere. Names always challenge me. But my goal is to know either their first name or last name. You know, if I can get one of them, what a personal touch that is to be able to have those conversations uh, and to be able to call them by name. Um, and, and even most of them will try to challenge you. You remember my name? You remember, you know, and, and that, that just means something uh, to them. Um, talking about that interaction um, with with students and, and, and then with staff, what about our parents? You know, um, parents drop their kids off, and, and we are in charge of the, again, we'll go back to something we talked about. It's the most important thing, in my opinion, That they that we can be responsible for is the kids education. So how do we build trust? And how do we build uh, that community to trust that I am the best leader for this school and we're going to lead forward? What are some things that you've done maybe at beer bomb or you plan to do that have really that builds that trust? So there's a
1: couple different things you have to look at when you're thinking about building those relationships with parents. And I think if you're looking at a global view of all parents, I think it's what message are you sharing with them? So we really like to use social media to to get our message out there of like, these are the awesome things that are going on in our school. These are the great kids that are inside of our school. uh, And this is what's happening. And I think the more you can share those great things, because ultimately, parents just want to know that their kids are going to a school that cares about them, loves about them and values them, right? And that is, is helping them become successful people. So if you can share that, that work that's being done inside that building that fills that narrative that they want of what they need to know, right? They need to know that that's happening in the school. Um, And so I think once you do that and then it comes down to when parents do have concerns or they, they have things they want to talk about, understanding that, 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 their feelings are valid, right? That these are their kids that they care about and being willing to sit down with them and have those conversations and and try to come up with a resolution, um, I think goes a long way rather than saying, no, listen, I'm the principal. What I say goes, if you don't like it, you know, that doesn't
0: work because we need to be on a team to ultimately help those kids. Yeah, so one thing that you just said at the end there, I've had a lot of conversations around and that's team, right? Mm-hmm. So um, we all want to be a part, the, the 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 feeling you get of being a part of a successful team, and we're both sports guys, but even just in life in general is so great because you feel like as something we came together and accomplished it and and uh, having the parents understand the huge piece of that team that they play, if honestly nothing else, the child has a bedtime and there is structure at home you don't you know I, I, that's what I tell parents all the time you don't have to be the teacher at home that's that's our job for seven or eight hours a day or more be the person that provides the structure, be the person that provides the support that we need to be successful at school. And, and, and cause, because we, if we don't have that support at home and that structure at home, we can, we're going to be fighting an uphill battle. You know, I draw the analogy a lot of times. I I say, you know,
1: we, if, if, we need parents on our side. If if parents aren't with us, if we're not all on the same team, it's like driving a car with two flat tires. Like you can keep <laughs> moving forward and you can keep getting down the highway, it's gonna take a lot longer, it's gonna probably cause a lot of damage to that car, but you could probably move, right? But if those all those four tires are working together and we're going down the highway, you can then really gain some ground and get some places.
0: Well, and that's a great analogy. I, I, I think I'll have to I'll probably steal that one moving forward, but you're you're absolutely right how fast growth in a student socially uh, and academically can happen when we can put maybe a little bit of differences aside and continue to focus, focus on the, the kid and focus on we have to be completely together in this as a team. Um, and, I, and I think that that comes again through. Again, we'll go back to what are the things I've done with the parents to hopefully build that trust so that when we have to have, again, I'll go back to a tough conversation, there's trust there. And I and I noticed that, and I'm sure you do. Um, you have great interaction, great interaction, great interaction, and then for some reason, whether it's through an IEP team decision or this, or something comes up at school, it's not as hard as you thought the conversation was going to be because along the way you've put money in the bank uh, with, that, with that staff member, or I'm sorry, with that parent. Something else that you talked about is... Um, uh, something that I'm continuing to try to grow in is, is to tell the school's story through social media, um, through uh, pictures, through Twitter, through whatever you can do. And something, as you were talking, that hit me was we have to remember, as educators, we know what goes on in a school. And I, and I feel like I have this conversation with my wife, who's not an educator. I make the, the assumption sometimes that they know. You know, that they know what goes on, when in reality, they literally drop the student off and pick them up and, and put a lot of trust that that seven or eight hours is productive. Mm-hmm. And so if you don't tell that story, that's when people start assuming. And when people start assuming, we always know where that we're going to typically go to the negative then we are to the positive.
1: You know, that really hit home, like, when my kids started going to school. And then, you know, I just, you know, as an educator, I know what happens inside the school on a day-to-day basis, but even so, when my, my my daughter's teacher was posting pictures of what she was doing in class, and then I know that impact that it had on me, of just being able to see her enjoying learning, right, you know, engage in learning with a smile. I mean, those are the types of things as parents, like, that's what we want to see. And, and even though I trusted everything that was happening inside her school, um, seeing it brings it to a different level. It makes it much more real. Um, and so just realizing that really, you know, solidified with me that that's what we need to be doing to make sure that all of our parents feel that same way.
0: Yeah, and I, I was always anti-Facebook because, you know, you're worried about this comment and that comment. But I, I watched a presentation actually from the director of communication there at um, in Parkway. And he just, it really resonated with me when he just talked about the whole tell your story, tell your story. I know we, we hear that more but it really was. Obviously, you're not necessarily going to show the down times of the day. Uh, we get that, um, but you have the opportunity to show the great things that are going on. Um, you know, we live in 2019 where, again, there's a lot of negativity or we can assume the worst about this and, and, and whatnot. Why, why not get ahead of that? Why not get out in front of that? And You're right. When you have your own kids, in there, and the, and you have you know teachers posting on here and there and everywhere. It's it builds such capacity and it builds such positivity uh, around that. So it, that's a that's a huge piece, I would say, as new leaders. And I know in the business world it could be a little bit different, uh, but anything you can do to create a positive uh, framework around uh, the publicity of your school, I think is is absolutely huge. So so we've talked about. Um, kind of that transition. We've talked about that with staff, students, and parents. So as we kind of bring this down, um, what are some things that, and I'm kind of going rapid fire with you at this point, but what are some things that you're real proud of or, or, or that you've been involved in that you think uh, aspiring principals or leaders around, you're like, oh, this is something that really changed what I'm doing as a leader. Or I, I, this is really something that impacted my building um, going forward. So as a leader, as a leader,
1: personally, I mean, even just thinking about this conference that we're at, you know, one thing that strikes me about this is, you know, you have leaders from all across Missouri and we're all struggling with the same things, right? That's all the things like, how do we help those kids that are having a difficult time in our school? How do we make sure that our school culture is one that invites kids in, that people want to come to, that people want to be a part of? Um, And so to me, it's been getting connected to other, uh, other educators, other educators and other principals, right? Um, And having that PLN to reach out to and be like, okay. I'm struggling with this. Help me out, right? Or am I crazy on this? And, and just having someone else to bounce that, those ideas off of, because you said it earlier. You can kind of, you can kind of be on an island if you allow yourself to be. So you need to be able to kind of surround yourself with those people that'll help you uh, think through your thoughts, but then also inspire you to do things. Like down here to this, you know, this week, I've seen so many awesome things that have inspired me to go back and continue to to do that work and continue to you know push
0: forward that that momentum. Um, you know, both as a leader, but then. Also- also inside that building yeah that's so true because i i find myself at times thinking i've got to recreate the wheel mm-hmm. you know and i know we talk, but but it is if you sit in your office after school and you're thinking okay how are we going to do this you start thinking and then all of a sudden that light bulb goes off of hey you know there's other people in this position doing this and they probably this would i'd would save hours if i just reach out to them you know and it's tough because i think sometimes in this role we get so used to helping others mm-hmm but we don't always want to ask for help right and so um i think that also in a way shows vulnerability uh, i think people appreciate that and i think also to kind of weave something in that's also how you can build uh leadership capacity among your staff um and i remember actually when they were talking about the facebook and and i've worked with some staff is that could be a definitely a leadership piece for your staff to be involved with with sharing that information um but taking you know the self care part obviously Is I even interwove your own professional development like you're saying into that because you can get stagnant, but it's amazing. Yeah, you can walk into one of these sessions and two or three things and you're like, oh my God, if I did that tomorrow, it changed changed the game. It'd be a game changer. Um, And so it's important because I do see in in this role, the principal role, the CEO role, and the teacher role, you, you do it for a long enough time I always talk about that comfort level, you know, and no one grows in their comfort zone. Um, and so continuing to be comfortable comfortable, and, and, and getting wrapped up in the management piece, you lose the creativity piece. And that's what keeps kids coming. That's what keeps staff coming. That's what people uh, want to thrive off of um, and managing that. So um, as we go forward, uh, I want to wish uh, Dr. Birch good luck on his transition. Uh, from a personal standpoint, I know Nate as being one of the more knowledgeable people uh, in this area And, and, and personally as we talk about this I need to be reaching out to him as much and we've done a good job of going back and forth so he's one as he brings up Uh, asking for help that I would definitely go to and and get outside your bubble and and, and look for support. So uh, as he transitions, I know Claymont is getting a a great principal, a motivated learner, and I think uh, Parkway is really lucky to have uh, Dr. Birch. So I want to thank him for coming on. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and this was awesome. Um, And so uh, if you want to hit up Dr. Birch, where can they get you on Twitter? Uh, At NateBirch63. At NateBirch63 um it'd be a great follow um and uh and as he said the pln we have we talked about this on here before this is why we did the podcast we want to grow that we want to learn from each other Uh, and i think that's a fitting way to end this podcast as you talked about learning so hopefully as leaders you've learned some transition type things uh you've got to hear some uh things that are going on inside our schools and uh just growing as leaders so we thank you for your listen Hit us up on iTunes at Educational Leadership on the Go, and we will see you next time on a podcast, Educational Leadership on the Go.